0: Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through New Beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. So here we are, part three of Discovering Your Purpose. For the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about this topic Uh, the need for us to discover our purpose and then once we discover our purpose we need to walk in that purpose and when we walk in the purpose that God has assigned to our life the reason he created us it not only affects our lives in fact many times we don't even realize what what effect we have on others it affects the lives of everybody around us it affects our family members it affects generations to come it's so important for you and I to walk in that purpose now the first weekend we answered the question which is necessary to answer for us to even wanna walk in our purpose. What does God think about me? See, if you you had the wrong idea of what God thinks about you, if you've been listening to what man says God thinks about us, then you're not gonna have an incentive to wanna press in to find out what your purpose is. So that first weekend we talked about what does God think about me? So that we would understand that God is for us and not against us, Amen. amen? He wants you to be successful in your purpose because when you're successful in your purpose, it blesses the heart of the Father, amen? Amen. So I urge you, if you weren't here, you haven't been here, go back and listen to that. It's online on our website there, um, a media page. And we covered a long list of scriptures directly from the Bible, allowing God to speak to us right through his word. I I believe that's the best way for for it to happen, for us to hear from God directly from the scriptures. And we summed up that answer with one final scripture that we covered, Jeremiah chapter 29, 11. God says specifically through the prophet Jeremiah to his people, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, of shalom, of wholeness, of completeness, not of evil. They're thoughts to give you a future and a hope. You know, we've got so much garbage that, that mankind tries to teach us about God. That, you know, he hates you. That he, he, he wants to destroy you. That he's this angry God up there with this stick in his hand just waiting for you to make a mistake so he can bop you on the head. And then we found out from the word of God that is not the God who rescued us. That is not the God who sent his son to this earth. Amen? So, part two we answered the question, which is necessary to answer if we're gonna follow in the purpose that God has for us, if we're gonna walk in that purpose, then we've got to know that he has an equipment ready for us to walk in that purpose. You know, when I began to to pastor almost 20 years ago, be 20 years now to this coming September, it changed, life changed. I changed, the way I thought changed, the way I felt changed. What happened? I was picking up the equipment to walk in this purpose. And when you and I find that purpose, you'll be changed. You'll see, that there's, you'll see life differently. You'll see people differently. you see your job differently. Why? Because you've stepped into that equipment that he has. And so last week we found out that he's blessed us. He's equipped us. He's redeemed us. He delivered us from the power of darkness. He brought us into a place of stability. Wow, that's important there. Stability. Why is stability important? I'll tell you why stability is important. Because when you find out the purpose that God has for you, the enemy's going to come after you. He's going to come and fight you. He's going to try to rob you out of that, right, out of, out of that purpose. He's going he's to minimize the equipment. He's going to make you feel like it's just you, it wasn't God. And so you're going to need to stand firm. And you're going to need to stand on the stability that Christ has given us. Amen? And last week we also talked about the fact that the enemy of our souls has targeted one of the most important facets of who we are, our being, and that is our heart. The enemy really doesn't care if you and I go to heaven, but he desperately wants to stop you and I from realizing that our heart has been made live again. If he can make us think that we're still the same old people that we were, that yeah, maybe you go to church now, but you know what? You know, inside, deep on the inside, you're still tempted by the same things. You're still struggling with the same things. You're still having to resist the same things. Yeah, well, that's called life on earth before we get to heaven. The only person that doesn't struggle on this earth is the one who's laying in a box surrounded with flowers. But you see, the enemy will make you think that your heart is still the same, and the fact of the matter is we have a promise He's made us alive again. He's given us a heart that is tender and responsive. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, promise from God through the Holy Spirit to this prophet, and I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out that stony heart, the stubborn heart, and give you a tender, responsive heart. The heart was the place that man suffered the worst damage from sin. It became cold, it became hard, it became separated from God at the fall. But then Christ came, thank God. The Lamb of God sacrificed himself so the two can become one again, God and man, and our hearts can be responsive to the Father, not hard to the Father, not separated from the Father. So now we have a heart that's been fully restored to the Father, it's alive unto him, and it's responsive to his voice. As we allow him, he directs our heart into the purpose he created us, and into the purpose that he wants us to complete. And thank God for this scripture in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Boy, it's such an encouragement to know that we, God sees us as his masterpiece. Amen. 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 He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Amen. So, so from this scripture, we know there's some good things that God wants us to accomplish. Amen. But if we don't step into our purpose, that means there's some good things that are gonna go undone and possibly some people not reached. Possibly entire communities not impacted if we don't step into our purpose. And this weekend, we deal with the question. Now that I know how God feels about me, what he thinks towards me, now that I know that he's equipped me, he's brought my life, my heart back again. I can dream again, I can create again, I can understand him again. Now that we know that, now the question we have to answer is, what does God actually expect from us? What is this, what are we supposed to be producing by walking in that purpose? And once we discover our purpose, we need to know what he wants from us. Again, I don't know about you, but I believe the safest thing for us to do is to hear right from the scriptures. We could all have our opinions, but if our opinions are not based on the word of God, that's all they are is our opinions. And, and Romans chapter one tells us that the power of God resides on the word of God, not on our opinions. And many times in conversations, you hear people say, well, you know, the way I see it is, well, well, honey, if the way you see it is grounded and rooted in the word, that's fine. But if you're gonna bring me an opinion that's totally contrary to the word of God, just because it feels good or it sounds spiritual, there's no power in that. Are you listening, church? There's no power in our opinions. The power is in the word. The people in the prophet Micah's day Complained that God was never satisfied. It was too demanding. And so the Old Testament prophet summed it up God's general requirements for mankind. It's found in this letter that he wrote Micah chapter 6, verse 6. What can we bring to the Lord? The people speaking. Should we bring him burnt offerings? Should we bow before God most high with offerings of yearly calves? Verse seven, should we offer him thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? It's the voice of the people who don't understand God. And the prophet answers, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. There it is. What does God want from me, Pastor? What does God expect from my life? Walking in our purpose is always gonna be contingent upon our obedience. The people complain that God was too tough, God demanded too much, God wanted too much. Yet the prophet gives them these three requirements. Do what's right. Love, mercy and walk humbly with your God. Obedience. Obedience to those three things is what God is looking for. And then he gives us the grace and the empowerment to carry it out. But think about this. King Saul in the Old Testament started out right. He started out walking in obedience to God. You can read about it. But then later he became full of himself and became rebellious. It happens sometimes. I'm sure you may know somebody. Of course, nobody in here that's ever happened to him. And when he outright disobeys God's command to wipe out the Amalekites, the Amalekites were a, a nation of people that hated Israel. They tried to to wipe them out when Israel's on the way out of Egypt towards their promised land. As they're going towards their promised land, the Amalekites come out to attack them. And God held on to this for hundreds of years. They were enemies of His people. And finally Saul becomes king and God gives him an order through the prophet Samuel. He says, go and wipe out Amalek. And some of you sit here and go, oh, that's harsh. Now you don't understand. You don't understand what these tribes, what these nations were, were involved in. Some of them practiced such disgusting sexual uh, rituals that literally entire villages became infected with diseases, having relations with animals and things of that nature. And so God gives a command that said, I've had enough of Amalek. And the prophet Samuel comes to Saul and says, Wipe them out. Don't even leave a flea alive. Why? Because eventually it'll infect God's people. Tough lesson, but one that was necessary. And Saul disobeys God, he leaves the cattle alive, the sheep alive, because of pressure from the people. He left a king, a man named Agag, alive. Disobeys God. What was he doing? Not following God. Not walking with God. Not submitting himself to God. He's starting out in his purpose. But you could start out in your purpose and lose that purpose through disobedience. I know that's not a popular message, but it's a necessary one. And so... There's a confrontation between the prophet Samuel and King Saul. And Samuel reminds him of all that God has done for him and how God's used him. And Saul realizes. And as manipulative people can be, he tries to manipulate Samuel to make him look good in front of the people even though he's messed up. And Samuel says, no, I'm having none of this. In First Samuel chapter 15, verse 27, it says, As Samuel turned to go, Saul tried to hold him back and tore the hem of his garment. And verse 28, one of the saddest verses in the life of Saul. And Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to someone else, one who is better than you. Church, listen to me. When we, when we find out our purpose, when we step into our calling, when we step into that place where we know this is what I was born for, Don't forget these verses. Do what is right. Love mercy and walk with God. Keep yourself in obedience. So easy to get distracted. So easy, to, especially when you're successful. I believe with my heart that sometimes success is much more dangerous than failure. The next thing, the next instruction he gives through the prophet Micah, love mercy. I want really to remind you of a story in the New Testament. And when I say story, I mean an incident, not a story that was made up. And there was an incident that took place in the life of Jesus in his ministry on the Earth, where the religious people probably set a woman up. They find her in the act of adultery with another man. Someone is not her, her husband. And they drag her before Jesus completely naked, and the religious leaders show their incapacity for mercy. What, what, what is that all about, Pastor? They missed their purpose. Their purpose was not to go on a witch hunt. Their purpose was not to track down sinners. Their purpose as representatives of God was to show mercy. That should have been at the top of their list loving mercy. I ask you a question How is your mercy level? Are you one of those who thinks that God has assigned you to weed out the sin? in somebody else's life? Are you one? To try to examine everybody else around you except for yourself. Maybe you have no mirrors in your house. Ephesians chapter five, verse one, instructs us. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God, Remember this, please, church. No matter what purpose you step into, no matter how it manifests, it should always, it must always produce love and mercy, never judgment and condemnation. And there's some Christians that seem bent on thinking that they've been assigned by God to point out everybody else's sin. That is not the will of God. Next, next, we're instructed to walk humbly with your God. Now, some translations say before your God, but most of them translated from the original language with your God. I guess at some point when they translated, it seemed too good to be true that we could walk with God. If Adam could, we can. Amen. And so I remind you of another incident that took place that's recorded for us in the Gospels. And this took place on Easter Sunday afternoon on the road to a village named Emmaus. Two disciples are walking along talking about the events of the last few days. They're talking about, they're, they're, they're talking about the Last Supper. They're talking about when Jesus was arrested in, in, in Gethsemane. And, and they're talking about the, the, the trial, the scam trial that was put on by the religious leaders. They're talking about how brutally he was tormented and whipped and, and, and just savagely beaten and then how he was crucified. It's still so real to them. As they're walking along, they're discussing all these things, and Jesus kind of joins up, walking along with them. But the Bible says that their eyes were closed and they did not recognize him. He begins to ask them, what are you talking about? And they literally say to him, are you like the only one around here that doesn't know what happened? And so he begins to explain the scriptures to them and later on they stop at, a, at an inn and they're gonna have, I guess, dinner together and the Bible says that he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to them and when he did that, their eyes were opened and they realized who he was. And Luke chapter 24 verse 32 records for us that they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us when he talked with us on the road and explain the scriptures to us. Church, listen to me, please. I want you to go out of here tonight remembering this one thing. You're not gonna find your purpose without walking with him. You're not gonna find your purpose if you haven't developed an intimate relationship with him. He needs to be as real to you as he was to these two disciples as they walked along the road. But you see, he's not withholding himself from that kind of relationship. Only you can. He desires to be in intimacy with you way more than we do. And goes out of his way. Speaks to us. Have you ever woken up first thing in the morning and all of a sudden you realize you're singing a song on the inside? Maybe it's a song that we sing here in church. Maybe it's something, a a, a psalm or a song or a hymn or something that you've heard on the radio on the way to work days before, it happens to me so many times on Monday and Tuesday it takes me to Wednesday sometimes to shake the songs from the weekend because after all I'm, I'm just singing them four times, from once on Saturday night, three times on Sunday, but, but the, what the point I want to make to you is that's the way it's supposed to be Amen. I get worried if I wake up in the morning and the song's not there develop that intimacy with him If you've got to train yourself, and we do. We need to train our spirit to be attentive to the voice of God, and it's totally possible. Romans chapter 12, verse 3, says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, the Apostle Paul speaking, or writing here, I should say, I give each of you this warning. What are you talking about? We're talking about now stepping into purpose. Don't think of yourselves better than you really are. I guess Paul must have learned that lesson himself. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Man, that's a mouthful. Measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. What what is this all about, Pastor? This is what this is about. As you step into your purpose, be aware that you don't start getting the big head. Be aware that you don't start thinking that you're all it and, and, and you know what I'm saying? When we when we lived in Oklahoma they had a saying out there, they, were, they think they were all in a bag of Fritos. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Be aware. That's what happened to Saul. He became too full of himself. He became enamored with himself. He became impressed with himself. Do you become impressed with yourself? Now notice he doesn't say that we're not supposed to think correctly about ourselves. This is have an honest evaluation. And the honest evaluation can only come from what the word of God says about us. And we are valuable. And we are precious in his sight. And we have been accepted by him in the beloved, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is for us and not against us. But don't go beyond what the word says. Don't go beyond. And some people get carried away. And when you get carried away, You know what happens? You get carried away. Be aware that as you step into that purpose you don't develop a haughty, conceited attitude about yourself. And we're talking tonight about what does God expect from us? You can't cover a topic like this without letting Jesus speak himself. And we find what Jesus has to say as he addresses some issues in the book of Revelation. Pertaining to what God expects from us, Jesus speaking to the church said, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And that's rough. You say I'm rich, I have everything I want, I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Wow, I'm so glad I came out on Saturday night to church. (laughs) I feel so exhorted. (laughs) How many times we allow ourselves to become satisfied with just a little bit of experience with God? We think we're okay. You know, we believe God, we put our faith out there. But, you know, Father, I need this new job. I, I need this new job. I need this new income. I need this promotion. I need, I need, I need. And then well, our faith operates, and we get those things, and when we become satisfied with the thing. And we don't realize what our condition, the condition of our heart, the hit that that might have taken. We don't realize that maybe to attain that thing, or that position, that, that level of status, that we might have stepped dangerously out of our purpose. He says you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And thank God he doesn't leave us there. Verse 18, so I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. And also buy white garments from me so that you will not be shamed by your nakedness. An ointment for your eyes, so you'll be able to see. And all these things he's talking about are symbolic of the word of God, are symbolic of the righteousness that we obtain from him, and symbolic of a relationship with the Father. He's saying that's the first thing that God expects. I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. And every time I read this scripture, I, I, I think about individuals that I've encountered over the years. <clears throat> now, I'm, not, I'm not being judgmental here, trust me, I'm not. I'm just making an observation here and kind of objectively sharing it with you. Sometimes the people that I've noticed throughout the years that are living in the worst condition of sin, I'm talking about people that have already been born again, people that, that, that have had an experience with God and, 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 and go into heaven but have gotten off gotten trapped. Whenever you ask them how are you doing, oh, I'm good. I'm good, I'm, real, I'm in a really good place with God. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, me and God are like this. And I wanna go, uh, excuse me, could we turn to the book of Revelation? And I wanna say, you see the condition here? And of course, it's not my place to do that. So we pray that God would open up their eyes. Because the reality is, in the eyes of God, you know, we can, oh, Lord Jesus, help me. We can fool one another. Oh, it's easy to fool Christians. Because some of us are, are just naive. I was that way, too. Just naive. Now, now let, let, me, let me just balance that out a little bit here. You see, when you're committed to walk in love, like God says we're supposed to, you know, for the love chapter, we're told not to criticize we're told not to judge we're told what love is about and so sometimes when you're committed to walking that you actually do become blind to situations but God in his mercy towards the other individual will sometimes open your eyes so that you can see I had this happen to me many many years ago when I was still in the restaurant business there was a time period for six months I couldn't get to church I just couldn't get to church The business just required so much of me. And so uh, people would bring me, my wife would go to church, she'd bring the kids, and she'd bring me, you you remember cassette tapes? (laughs) Who who remembers cassette tapes? So she'd bring me the cassette tapes from the message on Sunday, and I would listen to it throughout the week. And and, and I was getting something, but man, it was nowhere what I should have been getting. And so uh, a brother in the Lord stopped by walks into the restaurant and says, Joe, can I talk to you for a minute? Yeah, sure, what's up? How you doing? You ever get that, how you doing? And it's a Holy Ghost, how you doing? And the Holy Ghost, how you doing, goes like, ah. Not because the Spirit of God wants us to feel bad, it's just that he wants to impact our life. And I knew exactly what he meant. He wasn't talking about, you know, how you feeling physically, how you doing financially. I said, I'm doing good and I got offended. I'm doing good. You know, we get that Christian like, I'm doing good (laughs) because I'm gonna get you for that statement. (laughs) He said to me, I'm concerned about you. He said, you may be doing good here. I don't know how you're doing here. And you think I would've I would have let that break me. I said, no, you don't have nothing to be concerned about. I'm doing good. And and, and then soon you you start shrinking on the inside more because you know you're not being truthful. If we're going to step into our purpose, we've got to allow the Holy Spirit to deal with us and give us, like it said in Romans, a good, fair evaluation of ourselves. So many people have stepped into their purpose, got off, and created disasters. Some of you that are a little bit more seasoned saints here a little bit older, remember the disasters of the late 80s with some of our most prominent ministers, internationally known ministries, ministries, that fell into immorality. They were walking in their purpose, but they got distracted. And if you'd ask them if you could sit down with them now today, and they're still on the earth, how, how did this happen? Well, it happens a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. We start tolerating things that we've never tolerated before. But what has this got to do with my purpose? This is what God expects from us. And it's not like he's a tyrant who expects something from us that he hasn't equipped us for. He's equipped us to stand against things that are going to pull us out of our purpose and things that are going to endanger our soul. I pray that God keeps us on a tight leash. You know what that saying means? Keeps us close so that we, don't, we can't wander. Amen. But if you insist on it, he'll let you. And finally, I want to share one more thing. What does God expect from us? Jesus is looking for passion. Could you say that, please? Turn to somebody. Turn to someone and say that with me. Jesus is looking for passion. Jesus saw indifference as an enemy. Mark chapter eight, verse 34. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Jesus calls us to be radically passionate. Amen. Amen. I want to bring you to a story it almost never gets taught about. It's recorded for us in 2 Kings chapter 13. It involves the prophet Elisha. He's getting ready to leave this earth. It's, and it says here in verse 14, when Elijah was in his last illness... King Joash of Israel visited him and wept over him. My father, my father, I see the chariots and the charioteers of Israel. What he's saying is, I see that you're getting ready to leave. Because you remember Elisha's predecessor, how he left the earth, in chariots of fire. Now at this time, the nation of Israel, northern kingdom of Israel, is in almost constant battle with Syria, with the Syrian kings. And so Elisha, verse 15, tells this king, Joash, get a bow and some arrows. And the king did as he was told. Elisha told him, put your hand on the bow. And Elisha laid his own hands on the king's hands. In other words, I'm gonna help you accomplish this. I'm gonna release the power that's been in my life to you. And then he commanded, open the eastern window, because if you're in the northern kingdom of Israel, Syria is to the east. And he opened and he said, shoot. And he shot an arrow. Elisha proclaimed, this is the Lord's arrow, an hour of victory over Aram, ancient Syria. For you will completely conquer the Arameans at Aphek. He's, pr- he's predicting, he's prophesying, he's telling him, this is what's gonna happen in the future. Then he said, now pick up the other arrows and strike them against the ground. What is God looking for? Passion. So the king picked him up and struck the ground three times, but the man of God was angry with him. You should have struck the ground five or six times, he exclaimed. Then you would have beaten Aaron until it was entirely destroyed. Now you will be victorious only three times. What is God looking for? Passion. When you step into your purpose, he expects passion. Jesus expected his disciples to be radically Passionate. The lack of passion. The lack of passionate action costs the king his purpose. Now watch this now. he's What position does he stand in? King. If you're a king, that means you have a kingdom. That kingdom is made up of people. So when that king refused to be passionate, when he just did something just mediocre just to please the man of God, it affected his entire kingdom. When you do not walk in a passion and your purpose, you affect people. Paul knew a little bit about passion. He was passionate about reaching the lost. He was passionate about teaching the word of God. Paul speaking, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Church, you and I are expected to be passionate about what we possess in our souls. About the message of the gospel that your life was impacted by. We're supposed to take it passionately to whoever we can with a passionate mindset. Be passionate about your purpose. Be passionate about affecting the world. And finally, Jesus made it all very clear. Our purpose is to hold God in the highest place of honor by loving him above all else. Jesus was asked once which commandment of the law was the greatest. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your heart soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, I want to add, with everything that's within you. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. And if you know God and you know God is a God of justice, he wouldn't want you to love him and then love your neighbor less. So with the same passion we're supposed to love him, it's the same passion we're supposed to love those who have not yet stepped into this relationship with Jesus. Passionate. What happened to us? What happened to the church? What Did we just grow comfortable? Did we just grow tolerant of things? Have we been affected so much by the mindset of this society that tells us, well, you know, it's none of your business. You're not supposed to talk about religion. We don't talk about religion. We talk about salvation. And so we become closed mouthed. Be passionate. Purpose is about fulfilling God's desire. He wants us to place him first in everything and then we'll find success and contentment of knowing that you're in the center of God's will. There's nothing like being in the center of God's will. There no, no matter what comes against you, you laugh. No matter what, no matter what tries to undermine your stance, you, you keep standing. You keep going forward. You keep, you keep conquering. Why? Because you're in the center of his will. Proverbs chapter three. We've been studying it for the past three Wednesday nights. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he'll do What? He'll direct your path. What's he gonna direct your path to? He's gonna direct your path into the purpose that he created you for. Are you listening, church? So, what God wants is really quite simple. He wants us. He wants our heart alive unto him. He wants our passion, the fire that he's placed inside of us. Well, you know, Pastor, I don't know, I've never experienced that kind of fire. Do you have the Holy Spirit in you? then you have the fire of God in you. Throw some coal on it. Throw some wood in there. Fan it a little bit. Paul said to Timothy, stir yourself up. Stop walking around with a fireplace on the inside with no fire in it. You've got the Holy Spirit living inside you. He wants to be first in our lives. He wants us to be passionate about what he's passionate about. What is he passionate about? Souls. Just like he sent somebody into your life. The woman, the woman that God sent into my life 32 years ago, A salesperson walking in off the street into one of my businesses, spent two and a half hours with me. Two and a half hours. You're talking about a person who was in business that only earned salary by commission. It took two and a half hours out of her time that she could have been making sales somewhere else and spent it with me. And weeks later, after I got born again, she said to me, I knew that if I didn't spend time with you, you were a dead man. I saw death all over you. She's right, because my plan was to commit suicide two weeks later. She was passionate about reaching me when I realized that how God had set me up and the people that he put in my life, I launched passionately to making sure that everybody around me that I knew to the point of being annoying. Have you ever been an annoying Christian? Have you ever been annoyed by a Christian? Passionately. I say to my wife, you don't understand. We don't have a lot of time left. By my estimates, Jesus should have came 30 years ago. I saw all the signs, and those signs made me even more passionate. Where's your passion? Is it buried? Is it just collecting dust? It's in there. But it's up to you to stir it up. Where's your passion? He's expecting it. He said, I'd rather you be passionate about something don't be lukewarm. And understand this, the people that lived in that city understood what he was talking about because historians tell us that that city sat on these, these, these wells, these, these uh, springs that would come up, but they were so full of sulfur and so just tepid and lukewarm, you couldn't drink the water. It was disgusting. And so if you took a sip of it, you'd spit it out because it was neither hot nor cold. They understood what he meant when when that letter came to that pastor of that church. He didn't have to stand there and explain to them for an hour. God forbid that we should get to the point where Jesus would want to spit us out. I'm calling on you tonight. Go find your passion again. Ask God to help you stir it up. Don't be satisfied for just sitting back and being comfortable. Don't be satisfied to just have attained whatever your dreams were. God's dreams are so much bigger. God dreams in multitudes. Stir yourself up. Go reach somebody. Well, you know, when I find my purpose. Honey, you're gonna find your purpose. Your purpose is on the road that God wants to take you. You don't get into the purpose first and then discover the road. You discover the road, get on the road, walk on the road, and then you discover your purpose. Are you hearing me? I pray that you take this to heart tonight, amen? Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word.